What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. Your scrappy underdog independent Star Trek podcast. We're still going. We're still here. And we're still talking about Star Trek because there's still a lot of Star Trek to get into. It's 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 not stopping. I'm David Majors, and I am joined to talk about all of this Star Trek with my fantastic co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? What is up, David? Uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk about Star Trek. We're we're on from one new uh, season of Star Trek and on to the next, and uh, it it it's it's exciting. It's exciting. It it really is exciting. It's it really does feel in a lot of ways like the '90s when. The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, that little pocket of time where they were airing at the same time. And that was really exciting and really cool. And it kind of feels that way. Uh, And we're going to get into what is upcoming with Lower Decks and Star Trek Prodigy a little bit later. But to start off the show, as we always do uh, for new listeners of the show, we're going to start with the old business, which is the talk about stuff from classic Star Trek, uh, from the cage all the way up to the Kelvin movies. And we'll talk about the new business, what's happening in Star Trek right now. And we'll talk about upcoming business later on. Uh, So Heather, this one came uh, after the news that Robert Beltran will be reprising his role as Chakotay in the upcoming Star Trek prodigy. I'm guessing the listeners have caught on to a theme of this episode already. Uh, We finished Lower Decks. We'll be talking about prodigy next time. Uh, Robert Beltran will be reprising his role as Chakotay. And I saw that for Star Trek prodigy, it it will be uh, a regular role, at least for the first season. Uh, Robert Beltran will be voicing Chakotay uh, to be a, returning cast member to Star Trek, just like Kate Mulgrew as the holographic Janeway on the USS Protostar. So for old business, we're going to talk about a little bit about the Star Trek series that I think Heather and I, you and I have kind of bonded on as we've done this podcast, and that's Star Trek Voyager. Uh, I know that over the years, I've grown to become really, really fond of Star Trek Voyager for a lot of different reasons. And yeah, I think this is a perfect time for someone that might be new to Star Trek, uh, that is intrigued by what Prodigy has to offer. And Heather, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, tell me some of your favorite moments, just some things from Star Trek Voyager. Well, I, I mean, anyone who knows me knows that one of my favorite things about Star Trek Voyager is obviously Captain Catherine Janeway. Um, but it, it, it's she's so impactful to me that, like, for the longest time, I used to say when we talked about older Star Trek series that TNG was my favorite out of all of that. Um, that now it's that 
the point where it, it, it depends on my mood, but probably the answer is going to be Voyager. <laughs> uh, that's how much I love Voyager, and that's how much I love Janeway. And just the highlight of the series for me, I think, is just watching her really show how much uh, she's willing to stand up for her crew throughout those seven seasons and how much like her personal ideals and the Starfleet ideals that she holds onto and really uh, imparts that on the crew of her ship that, that, you know, they want to get home. They're in this awkward situation that they're far away from home and but they still are Starfleet and that comes from her leadership because especially like one of the things I think of when I think of that is the episode um, Equinox in which they meet another Starfleet ship that was put in the same position but they acted a lot differently than Voyager and her crew did and a lot of that is down to Janeway's leadership in making sure that the crew still held up the ideals of the Federation, even though they were in a quadrant that was nowhere near Federation territory and no one had ever heard of the Federation before, but their ship represented the Federation and the ideals that it stood for. And I think that's one of the, the, the biggest things that I love about Voyager and I love about the series as a whole. That's fantastic. Uh, I think that Catherine Janeway as a character is an example of someone who is strong in an impossible situation. The very premise of Voyager, where they are stranded in the Alpha in the Delta Quadrant, seventy five thousand light years away from home, it is something that is unfathomable in in the context. Uh, at the time when I remember Voyager premiering, just the thought that they were so far away from the Federation. And they had to find a way to get back home. It was just an unbelievably inspired premise. And Captain Janeway being the captain that was there that had to find a way to get them home was just a really phenomenal, uh, really inspired decision and and an inspired creative direction. And... In many ways, she never really changed that one core part about her is that she wanted to get her crew, her team, her new family back to where they belonged and was willing to do anything and everything to make that happen. She owed that to them as their captain, as their leader, and she genuinely believed in doing everything she could to take care of her people. And that's something to be admired. Uh, I think that Janeway instilled a lot of respect and admiration and maybe a little bit of fear because she was a bit strict at times. But I think that the entire cast 
of Voyager around them really has over time grown to be maybe my favorite ensemble in Star Trek. I, I like almost all of the performances universally. I've said many times on the podcast, I loved Robert Beltran as Chakotay because he was a great balancing piece to Janeway and was a really good quasi-ship's counselor and spiritual advisor to the rest of the crew. Uh, I've said several times that I think Tuvok is my favorite portrayal of a Vulcan in Star Trek so far. Uh, I, I'm I'm a Neelix defender, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that that has cost me a couple of times, I'm sure. Uh, I've said on several podcasts, and I think this is the biggest thing for me that Belana Torres, the the character of Belana Torres, is one that I've always connected with. Uh, very, very deeply, especially now in recent years, with her emotional struggles, her internal struggles, her interpersonal struggles, uh, including not liking Seven of Nine very much at times. Uh, I, I connect with a lot of those things. Uh, that there was the episode where Balana just called Seven of Nine rude right to her face, and it was this idea of Seven of Nine not really understanding emotions quite yet. And it got to the point where I kind of felt with Balana, where, you know, at, at a certain point, that's not an excuse anymore. Sometimes you're just rude and you need to not do that around people. And there are those times where Balana Torres, she's an engineer, she's very capable, but she also is not afraid to tell people off. And even though in Star Trek, you're really not supposed to do that, you know, no interpersonal conflicts, according to Gene Roddenberry's vision or whatever. I feel like sometimes Star Trek needs someone like that to say, Hey, get your shit together. And that that's something that I always really liked about Balana. And along with her being a great engineer and having great episodes where she would solve problems, especially with Captain Janeway, who was a, who was a, a science officer, and, and eventually her relationship and her marriage with Tom Paris, uh, I think that over those seven years, uh, Bolana Torres, Neelix, Chakotay, Tuvok, even Harry Kim... Uh, the entire cast of Star Trek Voyager, I'll even throw Kess in there because uh, I feel like when she was there, she had some moments as well. Uh, the cast overall, I, I could talk about the Chakotay episodes that I really like where he was abducted and put into a war. I could talk about the fight episode. I could talk about the episodes with Tuvok where he was stranded on a planet with Tom Paris and they encounter Nos. There's so much. I think that as much as I love DS9 and, and as much as I feel like Discovery is starting to, to make its way up and, and Lower Decks as well, I feel like Voyager is still pretty high up there, especially now that I feel like the next generation is starting to show its age a little bit more. I've really, really grown to appreciate Voyager for the things like I love the ship, uh, the nacelles when they go to warp and how they arch up. I always thought that was the coolest thing ever. 
And I love the ship design. I love the Voyager bridge. Uh, I love the hallways of the Voyager. I absolutely love the set design. I just think that in many ways as a complete show, I, I absolutely love it just as an entire production, even though I sometimes go back and forth on Seven of Nine. <laughs> well, I love Seven of Nine. It, 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 it's interesting when you look at a character like Seven of Nine because I talked about how much I love Janeway. And I really grew to love Seven of Nine through Voyager. I love her more now in Picard for reasons that are worth an entire other podcast. Um, but I, the one thing I don't like is the relationship between Janeway and Seven of Nine. It always felt really weird to me. It felt really awkward and... Um, the, a, a little bit too like Janeway was almost very overbearing and over demanding of her um, it, and expected more from uh, uh, the character than she was actually able to give. Uh, so, or it, it, if she wanted her to do like it, it, it and I want to blame that on the writers, but I know there was also, we can talk about weird set dynamics between Kate Mulgrew and Jerry Ryan, but it, it's just something comes off in that relationship that feels awkward on screen. I just blame Rick Berman. I blame Rick Berman. You know, any problems in any 90s Star Trek show that have anything to do with actresses, we can always blame on Rick Berman. <laughs> That, that's usually the safe choice. Usually it's Rick Berman's fault. We could always blame on Rick Berman. But no, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, Tuvok has definitely grown into probably my favorite Vulcan of all of them. Um, yeah, when I look at all of them, Tuvok definitely comes out on top. Um, I'll defend Neelix, too, despite his, hey. his, his slightly creepy tendencies at the beginning. Um, Neelix was a character I really grew into love. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll just leave everything else there. <laughs> and, and, and I said plenty about Bolana already. And, and the, the dynamic between Tom Paris and Harry Kim, how they were, they were bros throughout the entire series. And I, I always appreciated that too, that they were, they were just bros and you really hadn't seen that in Star Trek really in a long time. Uh, I think that really the only example of that was Dr. Bashir and Miles O'Brien, where they were just bros and that's the best way to explain it. And it was, they had a really good fun relationship between two male friends. And that was just something I really appreciated too. And you know, yeah. who's the one main character we haven't mentioned here yet is Robert Picardo's the, the, doctor. The, the EMH, yes. yes. So, what are your thoughts on the doctor? In the early seasons of Voyager, I did not like the EMH at all. Um, Yeah, he was just a little too cold and a little too unfriendly. Uh, he he was not even in the same way, say, maybe a Vulcan would be, yeah. but really more like Seven of Nine was early on to where it was just 
yeah, I want nothing to do with this person, and this person wants nothing to do with the rest of the crew. And I'm glad that over time, the Doctor's subroutines started to evolve and grow, and the Doctor became more of an individual, and that was necessary, because I don't think seven seasons of a Doctor that was just kind of snippy and off-putting would have worked. I'm glad the character grew. Uh, Robert Picardo is a phenomenal actor, and he really carried a lot of material. And I'm glad he he changed and evolved, because that's what you do with any television character over seven years. You They have to grow and evolve. Otherwise, what are we watching for? I'm glad he got better, but I just remember in the beginning really not liking him at all. And it seemed like in every scene he was in, all of the other cast members would really raise their performance game. And it seemed like he was one of those people that made everyone around him better as an actor. And I always thought that was really, really good because he would show singing ability and really great moments of acting and you really saw the emh grow and evolve as a character and even have their own episodes where meeting dr zimmerman and and going back to the alpha quadrant and and learning to sing and switching bodies with seven of nine and that that was one where jerry ryan really shined too oh yeah It, it was a great vehicle for robert picardo to really show his talents yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, so everybody, if you have not watched Star Trek Voyager, or if you've got some kids that are going to start watching Star Trek Prodigy, let them watch Star Trek Prodigy, and then let them check out Star Trek Voyager on Paramount+. Plus. Wink! <laughs> uh, all right, so speaking of Paramount Plus, let's jump into new business, Heather. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. It's done. It's finished. We left on a very TNG-esque cliffhanger where Captain Carol Freeman was arrested and is going to be taken to a Federation tribunal for crimes of being accused of blowing up the Pact-led planet. We got left on a cliffhanger, Heather. Uh, what do you think of that final episode, and how did you feel about season two? You know, I loved the final episode. Um, it blew me out of the water just in it. It was unexpected. It, it was something that I did not expect to see coming and not just the cliffhanger, but the entire episode. Like I really thought we were going to get something kind of like we had in season one where we had a big showdown, a big firefight. Like that's where these new series like to lead us. And instead we got it. I mean, it was a very action packed episode, but it was really cool. (laughs) And we got to see captain Sonia Gomez uh, from, TNG, uh, a legacy TNG character captaining her own ship. Um, The Cerritos helping out with their first contact mission. Uh, We got to see 
and and this is I think this is kind of the theme of the entire season is watching this crew work together as a family because that's that was really the core of this episode is how they work together and so you got to see the entire crew work together uh removing the hole the hole so they could go and save the archimedes and we got to see cetacean ops which is really cool and i'm obsessed with matt and kimiru the beluga whales in cetacean ops they are awesome They're very excited to see <laughs> rutherford <laughs> <laughs> they think Rutherford is sexy. <laughs> uh, it's just really, really lots like so many chock full references. Captain Freeman Day. Um, yeah, it was a lot of a lot of fun, which is what Lower Decks was, and it was just it 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 was high stakes. But also it was watching the crew come together and work together like a family. Uh, Cerrito Strong. I Cerrito Strong. I really enjoyed a lot of season two. The episodes that I really liked, I really, really liked. The one episode I didn't like, upon a rewatch, I realized I really didn't like it, but... You know, no season of Star Trek is perfect. Not even Deep Space Nine season five. No episode, no season of Star Trek is perfect. I thought that this was a great cliffhanger to end on. And you know that the crew behind Lower Decks absolutely wanted to do something like this because it is the most Star Trek thing to do to have your season finale end on a cliffhanger, make people wait for the resolution on the next season. That's that's the most Star Trek thing to do. More jokes about DS9, which bugged me a little, but I liked seeing all of the Lower Deckers, to a certain degree, get some character advancement. We saw Boimler really show some real competence and ability as a Starfleet officer in a few of these episodes. And when he said, you got boimed in an episode, I was just like, yes, Boimler! Boimler's really picking it up. And it made me feel like that time on the Titan and going back to the Cerritos, he's really grown as an officer, and you like to see that. Uh, Mariner, who, another character that I go back and forth on, uh, you see her relationship with Captain Freeman improve a little bit. Uh, we see the interactions with Jennifer go into a different direction, and Mike McMahon has already said they are going to be a thing, a couple, in season three. Uh, we see Ensign Tendi moving from medical to being a science officer like Jazzy Dex. <laughs> like Jadzia Dex. And you're seeing that her enthusiasm and her energy and her ability to just jump in and take on anything is really starting to pay off for her. And with Ensign Rutherford, you're seeing, one, how much he cares for Tendi, and two, we're getting a little bit of an interesting story arc into his cybernetic implant. Uh, yes. Did he have some character growth? Maybe not, but we we got something there 
with his cybernetic implant. Um, Heather, I'll be honest, I really have not been able to form a theory on that one yet. What about you? Uh, you know, I, I'm really not sure. Um, considering, like, I'm wondering if it will ultimately tie into whatever's going on with Captain Freeman. Because, I mean, we kind of have a main thing on the ship where the captain's been framed. There's a lot of undercover and and, and Section 31-esque things going on here. So I'm wondering if Rutherford's implant will somehow tie into that. Um, That's about the best guess I could give you. Yeah, okay. I guess the only reason I haven't considered Section 31 is because it would be a little too on the nose. And because Lower Decks is so TNG-influenced and TNG-centric, it would kind of surprise me that Section 31 would show up on Lower Decks because I don't really ever recall Section 31 showing up on The Next Generation. But I suppose it's possible they are a covert organization so it is entirely possible um what would you like to see in season three heather i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) i Um, have no idea um i i i just i would love to see more i i love the cameos that they do on lower decks because they have such an ability to bring back um older actors that you can't really do cameos in the live action shows anymore and do it in that format. So I love to see more of that. But other than that, where the story goes is where the story goes. I'm just along for the ride. That, that works for me. Um, I'll say one thing. I'd like to see Talyn, the Vulcan. That's who I'd like to see. Yeah. I think that's, that's something they left open. I think that's something they could go back to. I, I, but otherwise, yeah, I'm very along for the ride. I'd like to see one of the lower deckers get a promotion and for it to stick. Just to see how that relationship dynamic would change. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, especially if Tendi's in advanced science officer training, like she might be in line for a promotion like that. She so. might be. Okay, so that's lower decks. High grade on Lower Decks. I'm giving Lower Decks Season 2 an A. I'm giving it an A. Yeah, I'd I'd definitely give it an A. Like I said, it's still not my favorite type of show, but I enjoy watching it, and I think Season 2 was had a lot more highlights than Season 1 did, in my opinion, so... I will agree with that. Uh, I will say that so far, Lower Decks, in my opinion, is two for two. And to think that in most cases, a Star Trek series usually doesn't kick in until its third season. I feel like Lower Decks is is really firing all cylinders. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think so far it might be the most universally praised Star Trek series of the current era. And there's something to be said about that, that they're doing a lot of good. 
are they leaning heavily into Star Trek tropes where other shows are not? Yes. But at the same time, they are telling stories. They have characters. They are showing those characters growing and evolving. And really, that's all you want from a television show is just characters you care about, some cool action scenes, a few laughs, and... So far, I think Lower Decks has nailed it. I think. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with you. Okay. So now we're going to move into upcoming business and what we've all been waiting for. Heather, I know especially you. Yes. Uh, Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, by the time you're all listening to this, we'll only be a few days away from the series premiere of Star Trek Prodigy on Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon. I am excited. Heather, I know you're very excited. And just earlier today, as we're recording this, there was another debut trailer, another 60-second clip from Star Trek Prodigy. I don't know if you caught this or not, because it might have just come out right, right, when, right before we recorded. Oh, I did not catch it. I knew they were supposed to have one uh, during the NFL games on CBS today, but I did not catch it. Yeah. Well, what you've seen of Star Trek Prodigy so far, uh, I know this is the one you've been really excited about the most. Uh, what you've seen, Heather, um, how are you feeling? I, I'm just, uh, I, I'm really excited and hopeful and I can't wait to see what they do with these characters and the animation just looks utterly beautiful, and it, it it's it's going to be so much fun. I mean, we have a awesome cast of really good and young kid actors for a kids show, but then you have like a lot of the supplementary characters, which are really talented. <laughs> really talented actors um like the ones that they announced when they announced that robert beltran was coming back i mean we're getting david diggs uh jamil jamila jamil jamila jamil and jason alexander <laughs> in a star trek show like oh my gosh this is so exciting you know um and like the these are all really amazing big name actors who are getting to play alien characters mainly because this is animation and so they don't have to worry about makeup and and all all that long time in the makeup chair and get to play really unique alien characters on this show and it's going to be so much fun and i just I can't wait to see it. I, I really can't wait to see it. My expectations are... I, I'm not sure how I would classify my expectations. I think well, I'm just let really me ask you this one, then. expecting to this. enjoy it. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love Murph? <laughs> oh, Murph. Probably a 9. 
I'm not quite a 10. There's some people that are crazy over Murph. There, there, there are a lot of people that are like a 14 out of 10 on Murph. Yeah, yeah. Murph is a, a... Murph is the kind of character I just want to, like, pet. <laughs> he's adorable. Um, but he's not one I'm going to go completely crazy over because I, I love characters I can understand. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, like Murph is just a huge example of how much fun this show is going to be, I think. When you have a cute, adorable, gelatinous blob that only makes clicks and whirs and noises and doesn't actually speak, and the fan base is going crazy over it already, uh, the, that's just a, a clear sign as to how much fun the show is going to be. I'm starting to come around on Prodigy. The more clips I see of it, the more I'm feeling like this is going to be sort of an action-packed, fun show where we're going to get a lot of really good interaction between characters. Kind of like the more action-packed moments on Lower Decks. And that seems interesting to me. But at the same time, we really know almost nothing about it. Like, I remember with Lower Decks and Discovery and Picard, before the shows premiered, it felt like we knew a lot about what we were getting into. But with Prodigy, it feels like it's still kind of a mystery. And that's exciting to me. And I know I'll be watching. Uh, I've made sure that my... Paramount Plus subscription is up. Uh, shout out to CBS and Viacom for having all of these Star Trek shows in sequence. So they, they keep our subscriptions forever. <laughs> yes. They want to make sure you keep your subscription. There's kind of an air of mystery to Prodigy. Like we know that Janeway is going to be there. We know Chakotay is going to be there, but we haven't heard him yet. We've seen some CGI. We've heard the characters. We've seen little clips of action. We've seen a little bit of the Protostar. And I absolutely love the bridge of the USS Protostar. I think it looks really cool. Yeah, I'm excited, but I'm also just kind of like, I don't really know what I'm getting into, but that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. It's it's kind of a mystery, and I'm into it. Yeah, like, I really like the mystery of it. I I, I mean, I think it, it's something that's so fresh and new, and it obviously still ties into the Star Trek universe through Hologram Janeway, but not in a direct way so that you have immediate expectations, because I think it was sort of designed that way because they know Star Trek fans love their canon and they love their universe. And so it, they built this show in a way where you're not fully going into it with certain expectations. You're just going to go into it to see what happens. So I like the mystery. 
I agree. I agree. There's no need, especially since this is going to be a show for younger audiences, there's no need to try and throw five and a half decades of television history into a show that's going to air on Nickelodeon. There's just no need for that. Uh, If kids are interested, it'll be there for them. But if not, they will have Prodigy for them. And and this will be for everyone, really. Uh, it is going to be targeted at a younger audience, but I've seen more than enough people that have been really excited for this of all ages. And yeah, it, it's great to see that truly right now, there is something in Star Trek for everyone. Star Trek has something for everyone, and that's really what it's about, isn't it, Heather? Absolutely. Star Trek is for everyone. Everyone, including you, dear listeners. And we thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Promenade Merchants podcast. Next time we talk, we'll be talking about Star Trek Prodigy. And Heather, I believe it will be our 40th episode, and we will have a guest. Um, it will. I haven't confirmed the guest yet, <laughs> but it will right. be our 40th episode, and we will have a guest. So. Okay. I didn't say who. I said we will have a guest. I did not say who. We will find someone. So- You'll find out when we find out, everybody. So thank you for listening to the Promenade Merchants podcast. We are an independent Star Trek podcast that you can find wherever podcasts can be aggregated. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon, the regular old RSS feed at my old domain, DeltaJulietMike.com. Everyone follow Heather at NerdyGal33. Follow the podcast at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter. Let us know what you think. We talked about a lot of Star Trek stuff today. Let us know what you think. We'd really appreciate it. I tweet entirely too much, and I love having conversations about Star Trek. Heather does too. And Law & Order SVU if you're into SVU. So please, Give us a follow. Send us an email at promenadetrekpod at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening. Walk with the prosper. Live long and profits. Cerrito Strong. What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business.